2: Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER.
0: When you rely on the internet for everything, you need speed that can handle anything. Xfinity delivers Wi-Fi speed faster than a gig. Go online, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit a store today. Restrictions apply. Gig Wi-Fi requires gig speed and compatible X-Fi gateway. Actual speeds vary, not guaranteed.
3: All right, it's another film study. This is a big week in film study as we do our end of season roster evaluations. Um, Ken McCusick, how are you doing?
4: Life's good, Josh. How about you?
3: I'm doing cold. It's cold down here. It's like 60 degrees today down in Florida. <laughs>
4: oh, stop your <Yeah>. whining.
3: <laughs> a lot of people complaining, and I'm like, this weather's beautiful. So uh, it's been interesting. But. I didn't mention it at the top. This is going to be the defensive podcast, as we're going to dig into defense. And joining us, as I believe on all of our roster evaluations, is Brian McFarland. Brian, how you doing? Good. How, how's everybody doing tonight?
4: Life's good, Brian. We certainly hope it's all our roster roster podcast. These are. It's great to have you on for these, and uh, always a pleasure.
5: Glad to be here.
1: All right.
4: Well, let's let's jump right into it and do this in the way we we normally do. And obviously, we'd much rather be talking about the Ravens' upcoming Super Bowl. And handicapping position by position, what's happening? That's not where we are right now, unfortunately. And and uh, the Ravens, as much as they were a Super Bowl contender this year, are not guaranteed to be a Super Bowl contender next year. There'll be lots of personnel shift.
5: Yeah, I mean that's the way the NFL is these days. You go from uh, you know you have a you have what looks to be um, a run to the Super Bowl, and then all of a sudden. The wheels come off the cart uh, in unexpected ways. And, um, you know, Kansas City would have been tough to beat this weekend. Um, they're they're a really good team, but I would have liked that opportunity here to at least see that game. Um, but, um, you know, that's life in the NFL. Only one team wins. You can have a great year. I mean, the Patriots could go 16-0 and and, you know, go all the way to the Super Bowl and lose. So, you know, this kind of stuff happens, and you just hope that, um, you know, with the roster they have, the young roster they have, that they can, you know, uh, supplement it and hope Lamar takes another step. Um, he doesn't have to take the huge step he did. I don't know how much, you know, it could be that huge of a step. Uh, but, you know, if that happens, then, you know, they should be right back where they want to be unless, you know, sometimes teams have that hangover and uh, they, they feel like they missed their chance and it takes a year to get that out of the, out of the, you know, out of their system.
4: Yeah, it certainly was true of the Los Angeles Rams this last year. They obviously had a down year after Super Bowl year. A lot of people picked them as the team to win it all this year. Seemed to be young enough. Window is closing on them. Lots of motivation. And they did not get it done. And now they're in a position where they may have to retool their roster. And the Ravens, in all honesty, may have a relatively limited window themselves. And we need to talk about some of that coming up. We're going to start on the defensive side. I want you to... Everybody within range of my voice, I want you to make sure you take the time to go out and look at Brian's end of season article as well. And they can find that on Russell Street Report. Do you any more direction to that, Brian, Could be given or they'll find it easily once they
5: go there? No, it's uh, right. Just go to the salary cap page. It's the top article right now for uh, looking forward uh, to next year.
4: Okay. So Brian breaks his down a little bit differently than I do. We're going to talk through it in, in, in my way tonight. But Brian's is broke down by... Contract status, correct. So if you're an unrestricted correct. free agent, a free a, or an RFA, whatever, it's it's broken out by that. I break it down by more what their contribution is relative to cap. So we're going to talk a little bit about that today, and Brian will hopefully not have too many corrections to make in what I've what I've provided him with it. But but whatever he has, uh, they'll be welcome because the article will go up and I'll I'll have that correct then. So I, I divide the roster sure. into, into five categories as it is. The young producers is the first and most important category. And those are the, the players on their first contract who are already starting and, or they should be, and they're playing well. And obviously a team needs as many these as they can. And they really are the way in which you outperform the salary cap.
5: Yeah, that's absolutely right. I mean, those rookie contracts are you know, they're gold. Um, and, um, you got to have them. I mean, that's, and you know, when you look at the Ravens history, the safety position is always the one we bring up, but you know, you had Matt Elam, you had um, uh, the kid from Florida state was a third round pick Um, Brooks. Right. And if those, if you hit those two picks, you don't go through the veteran safety roulette we've gone through over the last couple of years, Um, you know, from, uh, you know, Weddle and then Jefferson and, and Earl Thomas, you know, now as well um, um, you would have had to pay those guys by now. So I shouldn't say it that way, but um, you know, some of those years we were spending money and the Michael Huffs of the world, um, you know, we were trying to get these guys in. And um, so, hit, you, yep. Yep. There you go. You know, um, and you hit those, if you hit the right guys and, and when you draft, if you draft well, you don't have those issues. You don't have those things to worry about.
4: Yeah, it's it's a uh, very big deal, and the Ravens uh, had what appeared to be four guys at midseason. I would have put in this category, and two of them have left at the end of the year to go to the veterans playing for market value since they're now unrestricted free agents. So those are those are Judan and Pierce, and we'll get to them. Talking about them a little later, but the two remaining in the category are two of the best players on the team, in my opinion. Marlon Humphrey, who I think everybody agrees is is one of the best Ravens players, was the MVP last year. And Chuck Clark, who is a new addition to this in his third season, just finished it. And uh, a player who took over the green dot and really was the centerpiece in the Ravens defense recovering in season.
5: Yeah, and that's, um, you know, we kind of talked about that um, the last time we did this, and that was huge because – um, I mean, I think you can argue he played better than Jefferson as well, but that, that, you know, that dot is, um, it just seemed like there were a lot less, there was a lot less confusion, a lot less missed assignments, uh, from that point forward. Um, and we saw it with Weddle last year when he took the dot from Mosley, um, things seemed to get better. And I know that, uh, you know, they say that the safety is really not the guy you want to have the green dot, but it seems to have worked. And I guess Clark, you know, when they, move him around into defense, he kind of becomes a linebacker at times or, you know, he's in that position. So, yeah, uh, you know, that, that, I guess that's a little helpful for him as well. Um, and Humphrey, you know, Humphrey's about to leave this category perhaps uh, maybe before we, the, you know, maybe before they, uh, the first uh, kickoff in September, he is now eligible for a contract extension after his third year. Uh, you just, you just paid Peter's, um, a sizable deal, but it's kind of hard to say to Humphrey at that point, you've been here three years, um, you got to wait. <laughs> so that'll be interesting to see how they handle that. Um, but obviously, uh, you know, you'd like to have him locked up for, you know, five more years instead of two more years. So, uh, from that standpoint, that's good, but that will certainly affect the cap. Um, and you're, you know, you're paying to top of the, you know, uh, going to be top of the market deals. Uh, although Peter's deal is only three years. So, I mean, that's, you know, you're not paying Peter's for terribly long either.
4: Right. I think the the timing of the Peter's deal, and we'll get to Peter's a little bit later, but the timing of the Peter's deal is very interesting to me. And obviously it's, it's got to relate to the Lamar Jackson contract in, in some sense.
5: Uh, yeah, I would, I would say that's part of it and that's something else we'll get into in the, the second segment, so to speak, or the, when we get to the offense, but um yeah, I mean, I think that that shortness of the deal, um, I, I am honestly shocked at that deal. I as a as an agent, I don't know why you let him sign that deal. I mean, it's great for the Ravens. Don't get me wrong, but um, I'm not sure. I know, kind of jumping ahead here, but uh, he's gonna he was going to be a free agent in three months. He's all he's an all pro now. He's a Pro Bowler. Um,
4: cap is expanding, so you have the cap, inflation cap naturally is, that'll occur,
5: right? And you just have everybody bargaining for you now he might have gotten the franchise tag. he probably would have if they wasn't mm-hmm. signed, but still you you know all of a sudden he you know he doesn't have to really sign that until July and by then uh, you know some other corners have probably signed the quarter market has been flat for the last couple of years, and you know once Ramsey hits it's going to change um, so but getting him done before Ramsey is just um, it's a great deal for the Ravens.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I like the price tag. I think, obviously, Peters has has had issues other places he's played. That's that's how you get to play on your third team in your fifth year, despite being the greatest interceptor of all time in terms of relative to your own era. And it, I think that he might have found a home here in Baltimore in terms of a group of coaches that maybe understand him and understand that behavior. I mean, some of the things he does on the sideline – I just don't get it. I mean, there's no reason for him to be in a fight with an opposing cornerback. If you're a cornerback and you get in a fight with a receiver, right. uh, Humphrey versus right. versus Beckham. I understand that. Right. Uh, opposing cornerback. He's on the. He's never they're never on the field together.
5: Well, I that had I think that had a lot to do with uh, that he got shipped out and uh, and Ramsey came in and Ramsey's uh, obviously I, I mean Peters clearly likes to talk but uh, Ramsey's. One of the top talkers as it comes. So I'd be curious to know who started that. But uh, I think Peter's enjoyed finishing it (laughs) with that win. So,
4: very much. So, let's, let's, so we, Marlon Humphrey and and Chuck Clark, I want to just briefly talk about. So, you're probably right about Humphrey being signed earlier than expected. This is after the third year. His case is special because as a first round pick, he has a fifth year option. So they have him for two years. It doesn't seem unrealistic that they'd say make him wait. Until after the fourth year, as they've already done with Ronnie Stanley, because that's the other conflicting person there. They're probably going to sign yeah. Ronnie Stanley this off season. I think we'll agree on that, right? They better, yes.
3: <laughs> yeah.
4: um, so that would leave then, uh, you know, him and and uh, and Humphrey dealt with differently. Now Peters has had to wait too. Peters is in his fifth year, right, or just finished his fifth year, so he had to wait all the way to the end of his deal to get a yes. a, a sizable contract. So it's not like that's an unreasonably different treatment of these two players in my opinion.
5: No, it's not. Um, but you got to figure that uh, Humphrey is going to be knocking on the door saying, Hey, it's my turn. Um, and they may want to, cause you're going to have the same issue with Lamar next year. You may want to get this first year of Humphrey under your belt on a long term deal, um, before, um, having to you know because then you'll actually basically get this year and then lamar's cap number is going to be its lowest next year assuming he gets an extension it's going to be his lowest in 2021 so you may want at that point to um you know to get those two years under your belt when you're when you got your quarterback for cheaper um now that said you know, he may, well, I mean, he doesn't have to sign anytime soon, obviously, or ex- get extended anytime soon, or at least before they run out of cap space in July or something like that. But he also, uh, Humphrey may say, you know what, I'll play one more year because I want to see what the cap does before I lock myself into a five or six year deal. Um, and C- I should say what a new CBA does uh, to the cap. So, um, so that may be something where, you know, from his perspective as well, he's fine playing another year. Um, which will, you know, allow you to keep him on this list for one more year. So. Right.
4: There you go. Uh, Chuck Clark, uh, you mentioned a lot of the versatility angle that Chuck Clark played, but he, the versatility personally that he brings is tremendous because he can play the dime back position and go back and play strong safety. But more than that, he's really made it so that the Ravens can substitute freely at linebacker and play a quarter or a dime package, which means none of their crappy pass defense inside linebackers has to be on the field. Right on, a, on a passing down. So that's that's a big addition from Chuck Clark. The other thing I really liked, and and I think on field signal relaying is often underappreciated because that player, uh, in theory, isn't even needed. They can do it from the sidelines with signals. They can hand signal in their their moves and whatnot. But I look specifically at the New England game, and I think they won that game in part due to their ability to continually rotate in these complex blitz blitz packages through Clark and also personnel changes, not package changes generally, but personnel changes. And I'm defining that as, you know, you keep the same number of defensive backs, but you substitute one lineman for one lineman or one outside linebacker for one outside linebacker sort of thing. They they did a a marvelous job of that in that New England game specifically. And I thought uh, Clark was really very clearly a significant portion of
3: that.
5: Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you know, from a contract perspective, uh DaCosta has said he wants to get guys locked up early. Clark might be one of those guys to go after. He will be a free agent after next year this coming season. So that may be a, a move to um may, you know, when you get him potentially get him cheaper, mm-hmm. um, that may be a move. Uh his actually his contract will go up this year. Um he earned the uh proven performance escalator. Um, so his contract goes it, not a lot, but it goes up about a million bucks, which I'm sure he'll be happy so to have. So what's he?
4: A million five? What's he? What's he scheduled to make? His
5: yeah, um, he goes up. He goes from um, he goes up from actually goes up about one point three million. So it's it's a little over two as salary, and then his okay. he was a late round pick, so his bonus prorations not much. Uh, right. But his, his original schedule, I think, was um, would have been seven thirty five. Okay, so he went up a little over two. Uh, 2.15 something like that so okay basically he played uh 35 of the snaps last year and this year i believe um but overall he played 35 percent of the snaps for the three years so far so for uh picks from the third through seventh round because they don't have a chance to be a restricted free agent like they did under the old cba this is put in so if they play enough then they get the automatic bump basically up to, which is up to the, the low restri- restricted free agent tender. Um, okay. so, so that's what that is. Um, Wormley also earned it this year. So we'll, we'll get to him in a second, but he also earned it this year.
4: Okay, let's, let's focus on the Clark extension for a second sure. because it's something I'm very interested in in the Ravens pursuing. Now, the Ravens obviously have had a lot of players in recent times who've had problems and frankly should have signed an extension or the Ravens are happy they didn't, either one based on injuries and, and problems that occurred in year four or or escalations in play that occurred during year four. So if I look at this last year, uh, Patrick Owasso is certainly a loser with regard mm-hmm. to the to the contract he didn't sign if the Ravens indeed offered him. Whatever they offered him, I'm sure, is more than what he's going to get now, frankly. Oh, yeah. And, and then the other player is Matt Skura, Obviously, he was in position. I would have said after this th- third year to be extended, and again take advantage of that divisible benefit situation. You know, the, the player wants security. The 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 Ravens want to pay a little bit less in terms of total dollars expected over the contract. And both sides should be able to meet their needs with some of that divisible benefit. I would think.
5: Right. Absolutely. And um, obviously, Skura. If he if it didn't happen, he probably and obviously this is the next segment as well, but he probably would have gotten a second round tender given his which is uh over three million. Mm-hmm. I mean it's it's not a big difference, but uh, I think it's about three point five. Um without that, he's an undrafted free agent, so you generally would want to give a starter the second round tender to make sure he's back and you know, three and a half million is is cheap for a starting center. So um, but with his injury and the most re- the recent reports that he may not be ready till training camp uh, i do wonder whether they would go with the low tender now uh, there's no draft compensation if somebody else signs with an offer sheet but i don't i don't see if he's not going to be ready till training camp i just i don't see anybody making that offer or making an offer that he's going to want because you know somebody makes him a cheap three-year offer why is he going to take it he's going that's, to want to bet on himself. That's, you know? that's right.
4: Why it wait, wait, could, could, is there a reasonable two year deal now to be made for Scura? Because it seems like that's the situation you often get into with a player who misses year four. And I'm not saying Scura's is there yet, but it's, it certainly sounds like he's going to be limited in year four.
5: And that's certainly, I mean, that's certainly, uh, they um, did, did they do that with urban?
4: They signed him after it? year four for one right. year. It was that's great right. news. Just
5: one year. Right. It was just a, it was a nice uh, incentive laden deal. Right. So, um, yeah, I think that's certainly something that uh they could pursue um obviously, you know depends on the medicals if Skurra thinks he's going to be ready to go week one, then he's probably not going to do that uh, because I don't want to obligate him you know so' stuck next year, uh, especially with the again with the new c b a you know looming so hopefully um so um uh, but that's certainly i would certainly say that's an option especially if he goes you know if it's like he's going to go on p u p you know, to start the year and then he's out six weeks. And, you know, then sometimes teams just leave you on P- PUP because we don't need you now, you know, so we're just going to leave you there. And then he loses a year. Uh, he loses a chance to prove himself before he hits the open market next year. So um, that's certainly a possibility I would think.
4: Right. Dwan Edwards in the past, another guy, I think who, who lost the, was at the time in the fifth year of his deal. If I recall, so 2007, it was after 11 was the new CBA. It was 11 was the CBA. So I'm trying to remember yeah, what, whether Edwards yeah, yeah. was would have been a free agent or not at the at the exact moment of his fifth yeah. year.
5: Um, yeah, he would have because he was a second round pick, so he would have been. Uh, it was before, um, so he, he would have been he would have been a restricted free agent in the at in his fourth year, and then he would have been as a as a, a free agent in his fifth year.
4: Okay, so but the CBA was 11, and Edwards yes. was the second round pick in 04, I think. I have right. to go back. So, yeah. so it would have been, he would have been 08. So he, would have, he, right. he predated it. But anyway, right. Edwards is the only player in Ravens history that really lived up to some of his draft value after his entire initial contract was over. It's very, right. very rare. It's very hard
3: to do. Yeah, yeah,
5: and, yeah. And, uh, uh,
4: he's a, he's an oddball case. So uh, anyway, here's what I want to do with you. The, 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 the m- biggest thing I want to do in the show is try and discuss what is a reasonable – Divisible benefit number for Chuck Clark right now. If I want to construct a four-year contract for him, mm. thinking ahead, he's gonna and I'll, I'm gonna I'm gonna get my own thoughts while I can see you're thinking about it and you get your eyes up there. So we got <laughs> we got about 2.1 million in first-year money that he's he's guaranteed, I suppose, to earn right, right. effectively, and then he'll have three uh, could potentially sign a three-year contract after, and if everything goes right, you know, maybe eight ten million per year might be a reasonable number for him. So let's say the number was really about 29 million. He was going to make over this four-year period. Would there be a, a reasonable hope that he would sign a 25 million-dollar four-year deal right now, where there's a decent amount of signing bonus involved? Hmm. And first of all, do so I have the amounts roughly correct?
5: Yeah, I think yeah, I think so. You're going to turn. Um, I mean, obviously it's, 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 you're looking, when you talk about contract, you talk about the new money. So if he's due, um, you know, uh, two and a half million or 2 million this year, um, then the new money. So the average, when you hear that the the average of a contract is it's announced the yearly average, it's the new money average over the new years. So if he got a, 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 uh, we'll do twenty nine million just for for round numbers if he got a tw- if he got a twenty nine million dollar deal extension that would be over four years so that would be seven wait a minute, seven million no nine million i'm sorry nine million in new money um or, yeah did I do that? yes nine sorry math is not my strong subject sometimes <laughs> to be honest with you um so um so that's the new money so I would think his new money are you trying to i'm trying to
4: think how so you
5: said 25 over 4 years
4: 20 yeah 25 over 4 years meaning that he's he's got two two point change to make then he's got a 3 at 9 call it 27 for 29 total
5: okay so that's pretty much right in the range i was yeah so that's uh, that's that's probably pretty reasonable for him um i i he's <sighs> He's an interesting character because he does so much that you don't see. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, he's not out there making he's not getting a bunch of sacks, he's not breaking up a bunch of passes, he's not uh getting a lot of interceptions and you know, but um his value is obviously in more than that. But so and obviously teams see, you know, we fans see the interceptions and things like that. That teams don't 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 pay attention to that kind of stuff. So um but he, so he's, you're getting him to give up that one year. You're paying him handsomely. If you give him a nice size bonus, I think that's probably in the realm, but you know, every year contracts go up so much and sometimes it's, uh, it's just crazy. You know, and we saw what the Smith got last year and nobody would have dreamed he would get that. And obviously he lived up to it, you know? So, mm-hmm. um, so, you know, every year is such a different, uh, uh, different thing. And, uh, there, a lot of teams have a lot of money. Some teams have to spend to their cash spend because this is the last year of the CBA, so they're going to have to overspend. There's also the possibility that the, with the new CBA, the, the, the um, NFLPA does not like the carryover. Now, the Ravens generally don't have much of a carryover, but you know the Browns and teams are carrying over $50 million. The NFLPA doesn't like that because that's money that's supposed to be spent on players. It just keeps kind of getting pushed into the future. So there's the thought that um, teams will spend a lot of that this year because they're not sure when you know if a new now if a new CBA, CBA happens in the next month they'll know that but if it doesn't happen then there's a good chance there or I shouldn't say good chance there's a possibility that they might lose that so they may end up uh, spending to the cap more than they have in some of those teams than they have in the past.
4: Yeah, so that's. You know, I've always wondered, you know, how can you how can you make that work when you have a limited pool of free agents? You don't want all the free agents necessarily. But I guess there's ways you can manipulate your own cap to is there I, I know you can always backload money. Is there a way to front load money to make the, to have somebody sign a new deal to get some of their money down the line advanced to them?
5: Oh, yeah, I mean, that's the way when teams that teams that are flush with cap, what mm-hmm. they do is um, instead of a $10 million bonus and, and then prorating it over the late, uh, the length of the deal, they'll give a $10 million salary. Mm-hmm. It all all hits that year, um, which means that they could cut him the next year if, without any, I mean, if assuming there's no other guaranteed money, they could cut him the next year without any cap consequences.
4: Okay, so and that's two, for a new guy that they're signing. And I'm wondering, and it's, it's gotta be the same logic, it could work. If you restructure somebody, the normal thing we hear about is these simple restructures where they basically right. pay you all your salary for the current year in ca- in cash as a bonus, and then that gets prorated over the remainder of your contract. I'm talking about going the other direction to restructure a contract to front load it. Has there been any of that in this era of ballooning uh, underspends?
5: Well, I mean, I think what what uh, what you do is you just you just start extending guys. Um, so they, you know, so you go to a guy like a Humphrey, if it, if this was the Ravens and you say, well, you're not, we're going to give you your deal, you know, this year. And if you give him the right number, he's not going to complain, obviously. Um, so, you know, and you, so you, you overspend that way and then you move that money. Um, you, you move the bigger base salary in the first year, um, in lieu of the big signing bonus and then it's it's then you can make it a, a pretty much you know a, a five-year 50 million dollar uh deal the first year is 10 million and maybe be 10 million each year um and there's no you know there's no signing bonus you probably guarantee the first two years so you guarantee 20 million but in the third year there's no there's no dead money um so that's probably i mean you know that that that's the kind of thing teams we might see them do, and obviously if, if we don't have a new C B A and we see uh teams spending like that and overspending, teams that, you know, have Boku cap space, then you're probably gonna see um you're probably gonna that probably means that they're afraid that they're gonna lose it. Um so they're gonna spend it now.
4: Okay all right let's let's move the show on a little bit. We want to talk about the developmental players. get to some of the other groups. This is a real concern. only two young producers is a very low number, much lower than the Ravens have had defensively any time since I've been doing this process, which has been a number of years now. Developmental group is also short, and I'm also going to say it's not that good the developmental group as it's been in the past. They had a lot more uh you know high high variance players I'm going to say in the developmental group in the past, you know people like Zedaria Smith. Uh, was in it for a couple of years there. But the guys that I have in the developmental group now, I'll just read them off Anthony Averett, Tyus Bowser, Deshaun Elliott, Jalen Ferguson, Dalen Mack, Eamon Marshall, and Chris Wormley. So seven players, uh, two guys entering year four in that group, another couple guys who've lost a lot of time uh in the at the beginning of their contracts either to injury or to not playing and, and I, I want to talk about each of these guys individually so let's start with Averitt here uh, looked great in the season finale I thought against the Steelers they threw at him four times no no completions in that game did a really good job of boundary defense uh, he, he played 65 snaps as a rookie basically three times as many this year but it's also he was kind of the reason they were playing him not happy with the results early in the season that made them go out and trade for Marcus Peters.
5: Yeah. I mean, I think that's, that's, that's pretty accurate. You were hoping, you know, they were hoping he would take that next step. Um, he didn't, obviously it's only, it's only a second year. So uh, it's still possible that he could uh, step up and it's going to be interesting at both he and Marshall and Marshall obviously pretty much lost the year to, to injury, even though they did activate him at the end, but you um, you know, What are you going to do with Jimmy Smith? Um, Can you go, I mean, as we've seen over the years, going in the the season with three starting corners, assuming Tavon Young is healthy, you're going to need somebody else at some point. Um, Oh, yeah. And and they've had such a luxury. They had such a luxury this year, even though they did have to go get Peters. But, I mean, just having the quality they had. um, So, I mean, they've got a decision to make with Carr as well. Um, So... It'll be interesting to see, you know, just how they handle that. Uh, and I'd love to have Jimmy Smith back, but the guy just gets hurt so much. Um, and are you willing to to bet that he's finally going to stay healthy on a short-term contract that you're still going to have to pay pretty handsomely for? Um,
4: let's let's he, tell you what, Brian, let's let's defer the discussion of the second. I okay, know sure. we have questions about it, and pulling that all together involves all the categories. I don't want to just unravel sure. that all at once. Yep, Sure, okay. So anyway, Averitt, I thought it was disappointing that the Ravens – you know, found out a little bit more about what they had, and it wasn't as good as they'd hoped. But at least I'm I'm, I'm happy that he played well in that finale. And I'm still right. hopeful they have they have a player there. Tyus Bowser, another interesting case. Uh, he generated some pressure, forced into more of a pass-rushing role this year. Now, to be clear, he's the outside linebacker, I meaning he actually plays on the outside in the Ravens race car package with four uh, outside linebackers on the field. So they bump Ward and Ferguson to the inside, and they play both Sam linebackers on the outside, which gave them tremendous flexibility with the pass rush this year. You drop anybody, drop anybody from either side or both, allowed them to come at the come at the quarterback off the slot from safety, from inside linebackers, pretty much wherever they however they would like to do it. Um Tyus had a better year himself in terms of sacks, but they don't trust him as an edge defender.
5: Yeah, and I mean that was, you know, when when you get rid of Tim Williams and you hope that Bowser steps up a, a little more um thankfully ferguson played well enough um but it would be not it would have been nice for him to really seize that spot and um make that jump that some it seems like a lot of our outside linebackers do in three year three and four um and hopefully it'll still happen in four but of course that by then it'll have to make a decision on whether you're keeping them or not and here we go again because uh obviously you've had that a couple years in a row so um but yeah i mean you've just it it just hasn't seemed to come together and especially as a second round pick, you would have liked that to happen a lot sooner than now.
4: Yeah, it's interesting that that he as a second round pick obviously not working out, but Correa also had a pretty decent year for the Titans and and he's a player that maybe the Ravens could have used now. Now they didn't know. They had Tim Williams, they had Bowser, they had McPhee, you know, they had they thought they had an overflow of of uh, players when they when they traded him at the beginning of what, the twenty eighteen season correct uh so they, they really uh, uh your needs change year to year and now it looks like the ravens need another influx of outside linebacker talent
5: yeah absolutely yeah um i don't know why that just brought to mind john simon to me uh, uh, that was one of those <laughs> i don't know why <laughs> that's well i mean he you know he got cut the second year and he actually played he's done pretty well i mean he's still playing in the league um he's not setting the world on fire but he's still around and he had a couple good years there in in uh houston that at that point well, we really could
4: have used him. We have a, a broader outside linebacker problem to talk about, but the, the next guy on the list, uh, Deshaun Elliott, actually, you know, is going to make things easier for the Ravens because they, they obviously have to replace Jefferson. They may have to replace Carr as well, but Deshaun Elliott flashed in limited duty. He's a guy who's had trouble staying healthy, but when he's been on the field, he's been pretty good as a uh, dime backer and it could allow Clark to move back to the back end which I actually think is going to be better for his longevity in the league
5: yeah I mean I agree I mean in pre-season as well Elliott's always looked good um, you just uh, you know it's one of those you got to keep he's got to stay healthy and um, we've seen it happen before where guys just can't stay healthy and you know I mean he was obviously when Jefferson got hurt, Elliot was kind of more the first guy expected. To, I th- I thought the guy was expected to be more the next guy up. And then, you know, I was a game later, I think, and out, out he goes. Um, so, uh, yeah. And he's now he's finishing his second, second year. Right. So they'll have two more years of him. Hopefully he can stay healthy, at least to provide depth that they don't have to go, you know, draft a safety or something else. Um, and which they may anyway, because they well, like, they seem to like their safety. So
4: yeah, they they, may, they don't have to draft a safety in the in the first couple of rounds to no, try and get the new no. starter, but they might get another six, who's a who's the standard price for a Ravens dime back in that's their true.
5: history. I guess that's true. Good old Chad Williams going back in a day.
4: Chad, Chad Williams, uh, you know, Harris was a was a cheap pickup, but uh, Haruki Nakamura was a six that's also. Right, so right. Uh, it's it's the it's the going rate. Right. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, uh, and Elliott also. But uh, next guy on the list is Ferguson. I have, now Ferguson's an interesting player in my book. He's one of the most important Ravens on the defense to to step forward in year two. Obviously had a kind of a trial by fire in year one. Lots of things, but the thing I keep saying is that he needs to get some positional specific skills this off season. I'd say in particular, working with his hands as a pass rusher.
5: Well, and I mean, that's, you know, that's the thing you hope with, with rookies. Um, they, get, they get them, you know, obviously... Off-season program is 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 not what it used to be once, but they, you know, they, you know, rookie year you get them basically from June. Now they'll get them from March. Uh, They'll get them stronger, um, and I and uh, maybe faster if you get who knows. But um, you know, but that that kind of training. um, I mean, obviously in college he was a man amongst boys where he was playing, and so he could just bowl people over or run around them. And now he's got to learn technique. And, um, you know, uh, the D-line coach, uh, outside linebacker coaches are pretty good coaches. Um, so hopefully they can teach those those little nuances that will allow him to take that next step. And who knows, maybe he can take a Lamar step for us.
4: Yeah, they're, they're good coaches. Now, they're not allowed to work with him, as I understand it, for certain periods this offseason. But I, it's my hope that that Elliott, sorry Ferguson would take it upon himself to go find that coach or Older player in the league. McPhee would be perfect, frankly, for him if if they could they could connect on this. Right. Uh, But a handsy player, a guy who really uses heavy hands in the pass rush, knows how to shed a block, knows how to rip, knows how to spin maybe, but but just knows some additional technique that he can teach Ferguson. The thing I say about McPhee he's got a thunderous flow, first step that he, since he first entered the league and, and even with his injuries that hasn't completely gone away. But the thing I've seen from McPhee more this second time around is how violent he is, is with his hands. He he like video games people to the body, punch, 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 punch like he's moving the backward. And that's what I want to see from Ferguson. I I, I want to see him learn some of that.
5: Yeah, and I mean I I'm pretty sure when the players, you know, leave, um, they're sent home with a whole video of you know, and a whole a whole playbook, so to speak, is not a playbook, but this is what you need to work on this off season, um, and you know, work on it on your own. Find somebody to work on it with, you know. And I'm sure they go to some of the veteran players and say, hey, you know, can you keep in touch with this guy? You know, go meet up with him. You know, things like that. Or maybe there's a guy you know who lives in the same hometown or nearby, you know, where they can get together. So, um, yeah, I would think that's that's what they need from him because. Obviously, pass rush is going to be an issue again, as you said. The outside linebackers, it's um, the pass rushers, edge, whatever you want to call them. They're going to need, uh, especially if they lose Judon. They're going to, uh, they're going to need it a lot of them.
4: Yeah, yep. Uh, interesting case with McPhee because he's obviously not signed. He's not under contract. so no. not, he's not under incented to teach anything to ferguson unless the ravens recite him no
5: no in that case no but these guys you know i mean these a lot of these guys work out with guys from other teams in the off season so uh, i mean i don't know what kind of relationship they have but if mcfee took him under his wig during the season there's a pretty good chance that you know they could hook up somewhere or the other and obviously mcfee's gotta get healthy first and that that's that's probably his
4: main priority mm-hmm. all right dalon mack Played just eight snaps as a rookie. Obviously disappointing. They were all in that Cleveland game, so they've got that taint about it. The Week Four (laughs) Cleveland game. But uh, he was inactive behind Zach Sealer after that for several weeks, and then he was placed on IR. And I, I looked at it and I said, "Well, they had to make room on the roster to sign Ellis and Pecco." Right. But it very well could have been this is an IR that they just want to basically redshirt his year because he isn't where they need him to be.
5: Yeah, I think so. I mean, they, they've they kind of done that with a lot of their defensive linemen, whether it's actually on the DL or whether it's, um, you know, pretty much inactive the whole season. But um,
4: when you say on the DL, do you mean on the down low or are the DL like like, like baseball?
5: <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. On the IR. I'm sorry. Yeah. Because both apply. <laughs> right, right, right. So, um so yeah, I mean that's you know and and I don't know did you see Siler had a, an incredible game against uh New England. He, he in Miami, he had the his last couple weeks in no, Miami. I did not catch that. And now they had to – I mean yeah, he he played really well for them down the stretch. Um, well, that's good to hear. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, you'd like to still have him back because obviously the depth on the DL that is the defensive line, we'll do it that way.
3: Mm-hmm.
5: On the defensive line, uh, which has always been, you know, pretty solid, is uh really weak all of a sudden. It seems like the the drafts they they you know, they can't seem to get that draft down the middle where they add to the offense and add to the defense equally. Mm-hmm. It seems like they're all either adding to the offense or adding to the defense.
4: All right. So uh, obviously that's a problem. We'll talk a little bit later about what, how they may be able to piece together that that defensive line. But at least it's a position where the Ravens have had good success in the past going to the UDFA pool True. and finding guys, particularly from small schools, that they like.
5: Yeah, and uh, it would have been nice. Uh, the remember the who was the priority uh, undrafted free agent that they from Miami. That Willis. They, yeah, and obviously. I mean, they, they gave him 50, they gave him 50 K in guaranteed money, um, which they ate. Uh, well, actually they didn't eat. They, there's an offset because he ended up in Miami, but um, they were willing to eat it. I mean, they just cut it and they cut him and they didn't even try to resign him.
4: Yeah. 50 um, K is not that much, but
5: that no, it's is. not, but it, but it's, it's, it's telling, it's telling you, and that's more than they've ever actually given an undrafted free agent. So, so there's an
4: undrafted free free agent pool. Isn't there That's smaller?
5: Yes, there is. And, um, it used to be that you could not guarantee money to them. Um, you could give them a signing bonus, but you, in this case, they just guaranteed 50 grand. So if, if, and usually that's just, um, you know, we, we if you don't make the 53, we're going to put you on the practice squad and, and that's just part of your practice squad because it's, it's guaranteed. So your first, you know, five, seven weeks on the practice squad is, is guaranteed but they didn't even want him. So I, I don't know what was there. There must've been an attitude issue. That's the only thing I can figure because they seem to want no parts of him. Um, I mean, I think in the preseason he was hardly playing um, and I don't think they were trying to hide him uh, because I mean, he was a priority free agent. Everybody knew who he was. So, um, so that's just, so, I mean, that's just, um, you know, I, that, that was kind of a surprise, but um, so that was, that was kind of the guy I, I assume they hoped was going to, you know, be in reserve and then, uh, you know, be that, that next Pierce, yes. uh, that next Dalton, um, you know, next chemo, um, all those kind of, all, along that, all that line that we need, we need to find another one. Yeah.
4: I, I it's, it's certainly they've been, been outrageously successful there. Iman Marshall, another guy. Now I'm always big on this is find out what your corners can do as much as you can in year one. So, that you know, what you have entering year two to take advantage of potentially three cheap rookie year deals, rookie contract years. And with Marshall, they they don't know at all what they have. I mean, other than what they've learned from practice, he's played a total of, I think, three snaps on defense. And, uh, you know, that's not enough. Uh, He's supposed to be a pretty big hitter, which will make him a value on special teams. But it seems to me it may also cloud whether he's going to be a safety or a corner at the NFL level based on his, on, uh, you know, what he brings to the table in terms of size.
5: Yeah. I was surprised. Um, in the Pittsburgh game, they played the starters as much as they did. Um, I mean, you know, God forbid you would have lost Peters or Humphrey at that point, um, or even Smith. Um, but, so I thought we'd see a lot more of Marshall. I thought it was the perfect game. Uh, you know, it was a big game for Pittsburgh. So everybody's playing hard. It's a rivalry game. So, um, but yeah, so I was, um, but he, as you said, it was three snaps. So, or whatever it was. So, uh, you know, that's that was surprising. But I mean, who knows? Maybe he's just not totally healthy yet. And they didn't want to risk it. You know, um, they wanted to be around and practicing with him, but didn't want to expose him too much to, you know. So who knows? But yeah, it would have been nice to know. But, you know, when you're when you're going 14 and 2, it's hard to put a, a rookie in also. And that the Pittsburgh game seemed to be the perfect one to do it.
4: Yeah, that that would have been the time. They they had other games where Averett and he were active, and they and they could have. Uh, well, he was only active one other game, but but Averett was active at other times. And when they had blowouts, then it would have been okay to put him in for a series or two at the end, and they still didn't do it. Yeah. So yeah. it it uh, you know it's it's a it's a lost season in a lot of ways, but at least he had the practice time to to get that together.
5: Yeah. At the end, and here we go. You know, again, he gets he gets the off season to get more acclimated, to get you know stronger. Um and uh, so and next year he won't be I guess so so wide eyed coming in um which which is often a help just to feel have that comfort level and uh the, you know lack of anxiety perhaps that you know you've made it and you're here and you know what you're supposed to be doing and where you're supposed to be.
4: Yep, he knows he knows where the cafeteria is now. Right, exactly. <laughs> I'm
5: sure that was I'm sure that was an easy one though. <laughs>
4: Okay, Chris Chris Wormley, uh, the, the team defend, depended on him a lot more d- down the stretch. I've got him still in this category because I don't think that it would be fair to say he's realized what potential they'd hoped for him in terms of the draft. Uh, it's not that he's not a performer. He's a performer. He, he's the guy who's closest to being bumped up a, a, a level here of of the developmental players. The thing that was nice for him was they kind of reinvented the five-tech position with a lot of the Additional base, and more importantly, of the jumbo nickel they play down the stretch, where they have three defensive linemen. So Wormley's position as a five tech essentially got taken away anytime they have either two or one defensive lineman on the field, and he's a a player out of position when he's in there on those plays. So that severely restricted his snaps. So last year, anyway, in, in 2018, I'm, I'm saying it's. And and when he's in there, he's playing out of position. So it's, it's not the ideal circumstance for him. But then again, there aren't that many teams around the league who are playing three defensive linemen often. Right, right.
5: Yeah, I mean, and he's, you know, here we go, sort of again, second, third round picks um, that you would hope they would flash a little more than they have. I mean, he's a solid player, and obviously defensive line isn't necessarily a flashy. He's not asked to do flashy things as much as – as as you know edge guys and things like that but um you know they got they have one more year uh with him and you know who knows what will happen um i mean he's going to be key this year because unless they go out and sign a bunch of veterans he's the he's the vet you know he and williams are the veterans Mm -hmm. um and we'll see i mean they're gonna have to you know with as you said undrafted free agent um you know sign some guys whether they you know whether they want Petco back. He seemed to be pretty solid despite his age. Um, you know, Ellis played a lot early and then seemed to fade. And it wasn't—I don't think it was because somebody got. Well, I guess Pierce was kind of banged up when they uh, when they signed Ellis uh, and Pecco. So maybe that was part of it. But um, you know, so. So uh, Wormley, uh, there's a place for him. I don't know if there'll ever be a contract extension for him, but he's also, unless he goes out and gets six sacks next year, he's not going to be a guy that's going to, uh, you know, demand a big salary uh, in the future either. Yeah, I, I would
4: think, yeah, I, I would, I would think the Ravens would be in competition for him if they want to be in competition for him. But he played, uh, let's see, 419 snaps. And those are, this excludes penalties, kneels, spikes, et cetera. But 419 snaps. This year for Wormley, uh, Ellis. You mentioned also he played 57 snaps. If you were okay. wondering, right. Mac so. Mac eight, Sealer 37, and Pecco 136. I'm in agreement with you that I think Pecco is a guy. I think the team needs another big body. At least one might need two. You know, obviously they had four uh, nose tackles on the on the roster and on the active roster for at least one game this year.
5: Right.
4: So, so it's not. Outrageous, I think that they would go after Peko as kind of a specialist. And it looked like, you know, coming in kind of fresh in the midseason, he was easily able to handle a 20 snap a game uh, commitment.
5: Yeah. And, you know, he's at his age, he's, you know, I mean, we're going to, I think his salary was commensurate with a million dollars this year. Um, and he earned, what, 700 of it, I guess it was, once from the time he came in. Um, so, he, you know, you can get him in for under $2 million easy for the year um maybe less you know depending upon what your what your wishes are and obviously i mean maybe did enough this you know this second half of the season to make other teams interested but he just seems to be a guy that fit in very well and and really seemed to enjoy his time here so and at you know 38 or 37 or 38 i think he's pretty old isn't he yeah Um,
4: i think he's 35 and change this year when he's dying so he'll be 36 and change next year Okay,
5: so you know for a guy like that it, it Probably comfort in it, you know. He was at the Bengals for a lot of years. A chance to, you know, get a ring, I'm sure has a, a good ring to it. Um so yeah. so we'll so we'll see what happens there. But I think he's a guy they would probably definitely consider.
4: All right. Okay, let's move on to the veterans playing for market value. This is a large group for the Ravens, and unfortunately there's fifteen players in it, which is a lot for any defense. It's way too many people, frankly, to have in the market value category. A lot of them are not that expensive, but They're players who are free agents.
5: Yeah, a lot of them. Yeah. The D has so many. I mean, they have 17 free agents, and I think.
4: 15 or something on defense. 15, yeah, because I Um, think.
5: um, um, Roberts and more. Seth Roberts is, yeah, is pretty much it, yeah. Oh, and more, right. So that's it, yeah.
4: So anyway, let me go through this group real quickly. We've got Josh Bynes came in at midseason. We've got Brandon Carr, still one year on his contract. LJ Fort signed for two more. Matthew Judon up for the franchise tag. Anthony Levine, a UFA. Pernell McPhee, UFA. DeMato Pecco, UFA. Marcus Peters just re-signed for three years. Michael Pierce, UFA. Jimmy Smith, UFA. Earl Thomas just uh, signed for three more years still. Brendan Trawick wasn't sure about that, but he's a UFA. Jihad Ward, interesting name, UFA. Brandon Williams, and Tavon Young both signed for Williams for two more years, and Tavon for two more years. Both, right?
5: Um, Tavon's three more years. Is he? Yes, because it was. I'm pretty sure it was a four year deal he signed.
4: So it was a three year extension for 25 million, as opposed to a three year deal for 25 million that included that year.
5: Correct. It was the three year extension. Let me let me make sure of that. But I'm, I'm pretty. By the sure... way,
4: I'm thrilled to hear that if that's true.
5: <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you want him to get. Yeah, you wanted the opportunity to get healthy and the number. So. Um, Let me check on that, but I'm pretty sure. sure. Yeah, yeah, so he signed through 22, yes.
4: Okay, good news. Good news indeed. Okay, so I I want to subdivide these into three groups because there's four cornerstone players in this group. So there's uh, Marcus Peters, uh, Earl Thomas, Brandon Williams, Tavon Young, are cornerstone players. They're not going anywhere, and the Ravens need to depend on them defensively.
5: Absolutely. Yeah, I mean that's, I mean you know the only one is you know Williams. Um, everybody hates the contract. Everybody wants to cut him, but man, when he's out of the lineup, it's it's, nice nice. Shows. it's night and day. Yep. So and I mean he's still, I don't, I mean I don't think he's going to be cut, but you know it's it's still close to ten million in dead money to save four million or four mm-hmm. or almost five maybe. So it's just that the numbers aren't right there. And I mean he's playing at a high level, so why would you want to cut him?
4: They'd have to really love Pierce a lot more, and I don't know that they love him that much more, although they do like him, I'm sure. Williams, uh, I thought he played the best football of his career this last year, particularly when he was included in the race car package as a lone down lineman. So he he, he takes a zero-tech role. Williams has been a moving part, kind of like Humphrey. Humphrey's moved in to play slot corner, yeah. which is not as obviously his ideal spot. But Williams, when he got moved off the nose he, to play three, I mean, he's playing out of position. He's played out of his position the whole time. He's been in the lineup with Pierce at the same time. And, you know, effectively moving him back to nose, you saw just again how powerful he was head up on the center and what he can do to him. I'm I'm excited to have him back, even if it's just for that role, uh, you know, is is a lot of value, and then obviously what he does otherwise in the run, whether he's playing as a one or a three tech, is very valuable.
5: Yeah, I, I've, I've, I mean, I know people hated the contract, and the, the contract actually itself wasn't bad. It's the extensions restru- restructuring it three times was, you know, um, but that's what happens when you when you start flattening out your contracts, you can restructure them, and it it it's, it works out. It you it, so the old deals when they would big signing bonus, low salary, low salary, and, uh, you know, going up in salary. Those were, those deals were pretty much already, they were like pre restructured, <laughs> I uh-huh. guess we'll say. Um, so they, there wasn't a lot of, I mean, the, um, uh, the classic example of that is the Hello Di deal. They ended up having to release him because it, they couldn't reach an extension and he was, they needed that cap space and he was too expensive because his, his, you know, at that point he had a $16 million a cap number, which was high for what was that? 2014, 15, maybe I I think
4: they traded him to the lions. They got something for him.
5: They did get something for actually, I think they got like a fourth and a fifth. They, They did well in the trade. Um, but that was something that, um, these flatter deals you can, if you need the cap. So I mean, they could restructure Peter's deal in a heartbeat this year, if they wanted to, um, I mean, it would raise. I mean, this cap number is going to be high anyway. But it would, but it having a ten million dollars salary allows them to do that, and it, it, you have more, you have more flexibility with the flat contracts. Uh, if if you need to restructure, you can. But it makes it when when it's a run stuffer, which is you know, quote unquote, uh, everybody uh, goes crazy with the Williams deal. But it it really wasn't that bad of a deal, and we're going to have to get used to the idea that when they need space on some of those deals like that. That's what they're going to do because they they have the ability to, where in past years they were kind of stuck.
4: Right. Okay, well, let's talk about two guys who are really on the margin here. Those four guys, in, in a lot of ways, they don't need to be talked about. Um, Brandon Carr, uh, he's under contract. He played 76% of the snaps this last year. The team can save $6 million if I if I'm correct by cutting him. Is that right, Brian?
5: Yes, correct, yes.
4: Okay, and that's a lot to pay your sixth defensive back you think about it the three corners are all making more money
5: mm-hmm.
4: and uh, it, well that's not true of humphrey but obviously humphrey's not going anywhere and he's making right. first round money and it's true of the two safeties and particularly if they if they up clark re-up clark he could easily be making more on an average annual value whether it's whether it's more for this year or not right. the problem is car brings him a lot of versatility to play either corner or safety it's been. A, it was a great signing for them. The, the structure of it was just masterful, right, Brian?
3: Yeah,
5: it was a great deal. Yeah, it was a great deal.
4: And and he's played very well during during the period. It wouldn't be a great deal if he hadn't played well, obviously. Well, but, true. Right. Yeah, but he's but he's played wherever they needed him. They played on the outside corner. He played pretty well. He played in the slot. Played pretty well. Moved back to safety in the dime package. Played pretty well. And the Ravens obviously played a lot of dime coming down the stretch here. Uh, I I thought he's done everything that's asked of him. I'd love for them to find a place for him, but now six million dollars and looking ahead at everything the Ravens have to get done that six million is important
5: yeah and that's yeah I mean and you know I think his days as as a corner are are, you know I don't I mean I earlier in the year before you know before Peters was brought in I mean and and you know they're moving Humphrey into the slot and so Carr was up against sometimes the number one on the outside and that's that's not that's a mismatch these days for him but if you're going to match him up, you know, uh, you know whether he's in the safety in the dime, you know, or wherever he is, you match him up against the second or third receiver, then he's going to hold his own. Um, but as you said, six million dollars is nothing to sneeze at. Um, they're going to need they're going to need some. I mean, they they most cap space they've had in a lot of years, but they're still going to need some more, um, especially if they have to franchise Judon and you want to do something else. So um, that's I mean. I've always said, and people, you know, never really uh, don't always agree with me, but it's so true. You want to find the most amount of cap space you can create from one player. You don't want to cut four players to get six million dollars because you got to replace right. four players then, or you know, or, or three essentially. But so um, that that you know, so you don't want that to fi- sign somebody. So you know, if they decide to re-sign Jimmy Smith, then, I, mean, I think that makes it easy. cars is gone. Uh, if they need it elsewhere, um, or if they're going to sign another another d- defensive back, another corner, then you've got to figure Carr's gone. Um, they're not going to sign another safety, obviously. Um, so, but or if they need it somewhere else, a pass a pass rusher, or if you know if they have to uh, tag Judon, they're going to need that space. So, uh, another option, um, and you never know. Uh, but uh, perhaps a pay cut. Um, where he can earn some money back through incentives, uh, although we played every game this year, so they're hard, a little harder to do uh, to make it fair to him. But, you know, that's an option as well. He's up there in age, so, you know, um, asking a player up there in age to take a pay cut is not an unreasonable thing, perhaps, especially when, as you said, he is the, you know, the sixth defensive back or, or maybe even further down, Um depending upon uh, how things happen. So I think that's, I mean, they like him. He's, he seems like he's a great guy to have a great teammate. Um, I think he's, you know, part of that culture that they've that really seemed to come together this year. So, um, but the NFL can be a cold business. So we'll, we'll see what happens there.
4: Yeah. But, I, I think, I think they're, they're going to have to be practical about a lot of decisions to get the, the big ones made uh, in a lot of these cases. Let's go to the other players now real quickly. Uh, who do you think is a good candidate to be re-signed among Vines, Levine, McPhee, Pecco, Jimmy Smith, Brendan Trowick, and Jihad Ward?
5: They all, you know, Smith is the most expensive of, expensive of those. Um, my guess is, I mean, you know, he he pretty much laid it out. He wants to come back um that was you don't you know any even even kind of laugh, apparently laughed and when he said it and he's like i know i'm probably not doing myself any favors myself any favors here but uh i love it here i'm comfortable here i want to stay well you know when it comes to dollars and cents that'll that'll matter i mean we all we heard Weddle was going to retire if the ravens cut him and we heard that uh bolden would retire if the ravens <laughs> traded him and you know and then all of a sudden uh that changed and that's fine i mean i, I know fans get upset about that kind of stuff like it's his life it's his career <laughs> let him let him say what he wants to say if he changes his mind he wants to keep playing and make money you know how can you hold that against him so um so we'll see you know how that goes um you know it's that injury thing i and it, otherwise i'd say in a heartbeat if they could find the right number um And I guess if you factor the injury in, maybe there's a right number. But my guess is somebody else pays Smith.
4: What's your right number on Smith? Uh, Let's say the deal is for two years. What's your What's your number?
5: Two years, twelve to fourteen
4: million. Okay, too high. That's my That's my own personal opinion. Is that's too high. And and by the way, if if some other team offers him, that's a pretty significant comp pick. Probably a five or a four.
5: Um, that would probably be a that would actually these days be a six probably a five to six I'm trying to think um
4: I mean Suggs was a is going to end up being a five right
5: um Brown is the five no Brown's a four, four. Suggs, Suggs was five so maybe maybe you're right maybe that is five Brown was on Brown's kind of I'm trying to remember what Brown, Brown got nine I think yeah um, nine
4: and, and a big year so there's no yeah. doubt of him losing it right
5: but he was on the lower end of the of the fives if, uh, if I'm or the fours I'm sorry if mm-hmm. I remember correctly so um Yeah, so now you know with Smith's injury history, maybe he takes a deal that's incentive laden. You know, he gets he gets per game uh, roster bonuses, so if he's active, he gets extra money, uh, gets some incentives if he hits a certain number of games. So um, especially since he missed a few games this year, that's that's a way you could structure um, incentives so they would not count this year, um, and you got to you know they they count the following year if he earned them um but that's a, that's a way of doing it I'm, I'm not sure how many games he he actually played in but i know he missed about six i think
4: yeah um, he, missed, so. he missed the all the games prior to the buy he didn't come back until after that and then they got right. peters back and they had i think they had smith back for new england if i recall correctly but i, right. I, I could be wrong
5: yeah so i mean you could if you know if, if he played 10 games then the you know you give a million dollars if he plays 11 or 12 or something like that and that you know bumps the salary so that's a way that's a possibility there um the other guys, I mean, Bynes did admirably, but uh, you know, you could probably find a guy that can do the same. Uh, the two, I mean, Levine, um, kind of lost his place a little this year. Yes. Uh, I, so, um, special teams, obviously, which, you know, we're, we're, we're spe- or spe- are especially special here in Baltimore. Um, that's, that's a possibility, you know, at a, at the, I mean, he's not going to be expensive either way. I, I think the two most interesting ones to me are McPhee and Ward. Yes. Um, and I'd love to have both of them back. I don't think either of them will be terribly expensive. Um, and hopefully they both enjoyed, you know, um, well, a rebirth, so I guess I don't know if, if uh, Ward ever had a birth in the first place. Uh, but I mean, I think he, you know, he put some uh some good play on tape, and I think uh, McPhee probably played better than he has in the last couple years. So um I would think those would be two guys they'd want to resign. Um, be interesting to see. Those are the kind of guys that uh late February, early March. You, those are the kind of guys that get resigned at that point, or they're not going to be signed till May, right? Um, you know, so you, you, you give them an offer that they can't refuse and they've heard, you know, their agent has heard nobody else is interested or, you know, it's not not much interest or everybody's saying we'll wait till May. We'll talk to you then. And, you know, the player says, well, you know what? I like it here. That sounds good to me. I'd rather get my, you know, get my security and and be signed and get into OTAs and be ready as, as opposed to waiting till May for somebody to maybe think about signing me. So yeah, they're, no. they're
4: all at risk of the draft. There as well. I mean, every right. single one of those players.
5: Very would, true. Very true. Very now,
4: true. I'm going to take a take a contrary position in Jihad Ward. This I did not realize, but Jihad Ward is extremely young. He's still only 25. Won't be 26, I think, until June. Okay. So I think actually there might be really be interest in him, and uh, you know, coming out of his fourth year, that he might be a guy that gets three years, 12 million, three years, okay. 9 million somewhere, you know, it won't be a huge contract. Right. You know, I right. think, I okay. think uh, James Hurst in terms of offense or something, but somebody sees a guy who obviously has the flexibility to play the hand in the dirt and not play on the inside and not as a pass rusher, which has value. Uh, can, can stop the, play the edge a little bit. I don't think the Ravens are going to give him that, but I'd love for them if they could sign him for, for two or three years in that $10 million range. Uh, well for $3 million a year, let's say.
5: Sure. Right. I'd, That's I'd good. be,
4: I'd be thrilled about that.
5: Yeah, I I think, and um, you know, as we've said, I mean, you know, the the defensive front, I mean, is uh, what should we can we call it a shambles right now? I mean, it really yeah. is. I mean, they're very. I mean, well, with all these free agents and the, you know the lack of returning players, um, he would seem like a guy that that, um, especially pending the draft. You you know, because if you if he gets three million a year and you draft a, a guy that. You know, plays more than him. It's not the end of the world. You've got he's solid depth, and not for a terrible price. And he's a rotational player as well. Um, but if he's gone, and you then you've got to rely on rookies, or you're going to pick somebody who you, you're taking off the street who maybe not, doesn't fit your system and hasn't been here. Then you know, I think I think he's a guy that is worthy of of looking at it. the deal. I think three million a year is is, is, is a fair deal for him.
4: Okay and with Ward was a guy they brought in to replace Ferguson on the edge when they weren't getting it stopped and that was in particular against San Francisco. So they the defense has recovered and it's pretty good at that point during the season. You know, right. In in week 13, but they they had a bunch of problems during the first 35 minutes of that game with some gashes on the edge to Mostert and some inability to hold that with Ferguson. Ferguson actually Played like a rookie in that game in terms of, of not really understanding his position. And Ward came in and, and they were able to get it stopped with Ward in the second half of that game. They didn't allow a run over five yards in the last 25 minutes. So I, I, I think that, and they, by the way, they also played him more against the Titans, not saying that the results were as good, but they've played him more against the Titans. I think for that reason is that they really wanted to rely on that run defense, all kinds of guys. And Suggs was among them Our our edge players. Who can maybe play the 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 run a little bit, but a guy who really understands that it's his job to play the run more than it is his job to rush the passer, is is kind of like much more valuable on the edge today than it used to be. I mean, Suggs, you could never ask him to do that, even though he's the greatest run defender of his generation. You couldn't ask him to be just a run defender.
5: Right. Yeah. No, that's true. And I mean, he. Yeah. I mean, he always. I mean, uh, you know, when people complain he's only got eight sacks or something like that, I'm like, are you watching him? <laughs> I mean, the guys. Oh, I mean, he's great in run defense. I don't, I don't, and you know, I don't certainly any of the any Raven in the in the Ravens history, but nobody sniffed out a a screen better than him. Go. I mean, I don't. I mean, you know, he got his hands on so many screens or basically forced the quarterback to throw it to the ground. Um and I mean, you know, I guess Peter Bulware would be the comparable player and as good as Bullwear was and probably a better pass rusher, but he did not set the edge the same and he didn't play the screen game the same either.
4: Yeah. Suggs out- outrageously talented in that regard. Knew when to go low on the guy, knew when to sniff it out, knew when to duck and play the, 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 the peekaboo intersection game, which he did a couple of times, both against Roethlisberger, I believe. It's just, yeah. The guy had so much savvy, uh, it was remarkable, player. I hope, he, I, I hope he gets the Super Bowl this year. I'm, I'm, I'm rooting for the Chiefs just to see him get it done.
5: Yeah, I'm, I'm on the same boat. I feel the same way. It's like, who am I going to root for now? And I'm like, well, it'd be great for to see Suggs get another one. And that, you know, if, if he he may be a Hall of Famer already, but you add that second ring to the resume, and I think that says a lot as well.
4: Yeah, I, I think he's pretty clearly a first ballot Hall of Famer, but we'll see if if the voters... Uh, make a mistake on that,
5: <laughs> right? Right. Well, he doesn't. I mean, he's got big. He's got very good sack numbers, but they're not huge sack numbers. And you know, unfortunately, sometimes when you talk about a defensive end slash edge, you know, line outside linebacker, you know, these guys some of these hall of fame voters aren't that good and they're going to look at sacks and say well what what am, what am i missing well a lot apparently <laughs> right I,
4: I think the fortunate thing for both him and yanda is that the era of pff has captured a lot of their careers and now people quote those statistics as if they're the bible which they're they're not but they're they're, they're one of the only comparable sources to grade these things week to week across the league and they allow other people than sports sports writers who have had the same cigar in their mouth for the last fifty years <laughs> right, right. To, to make that judgment and, and be intractable in it. So you have you have you actually have some change and some waviness in terms of who can be the best offensive lineman in any particular position. Anyway, I think Suggs will be recognized for his great great uh contributions there. Let's move on to the next category here. The veteran cap value concerns. I've only got one guy in there. It's Tony Jefferson. Obviously not an optimal time for him to be injured.
5: Oh, he's gone. <laughs> I mean, that's the bottom line. Uh, Clark took over. Um, you know, called the defense, played better. Um, uh, obviously, is cheaper. And again, that you're looking at a player you can get seven million dollars out of. Um, uh, that's, I mean, uh, to me, it's it's a no brainer. Um, and to be honest with you, he never lived up. I mean, he he is a solid player, but he he never lived up to uh the contract you know and what they were expecting uh you know out of uh, uh, a guy in the ravens front office said we're about when th- that year every, it looked that free agent year they you know we were losing guys left and right and the quote was we're getting a great player and he didn't turn out to be a great player
4: the thing that ozzy said about him was that they were getting an ascending player that was the that was the term he used and, right. and honestly as a as a Back-end defender in the original tape I looked at when he came from the Cardinals, there was nothing to believe he could play cover to safety. He was a guy who covered the tight end, straight man-to-man, and that's not what the Ravens do. Right. They really didn't have Tony do that very much. And uh, he was a good run defender, I thought, but they never really used him in the ways that he could be used best. And when he's on the back end, he's just a little bit lost in space.
5: Yeah, yeah. And, the I mean, the one, the one, thing, one good thing I'll say about that signing, and um... – probably still holds um he was coming off of that he's one of the few top end free agents they've ever signed and again maybe the only one maybe i'm missing somebody who was coming off their rookie year or rookie deal um you know we generally sign i mean you know ingram was not coming off his rookie deal uh Uh, Thomas was not coming off his rookie deal. Bettle wasn't, you know,
4: third, fourth contract guys.
5: Right? Yeah. I mean, we usually, but this was that was the first time that they went out and said we're going to pay true market value for you know an ascending player, which obviously you you hope you're getting. But so, I mean, from that standpoint, I I kind of like that. Um, It's a shame that they missed on it, but hopefully they do a little more of that because. You know, there's so many times there have been so many guys that they could have potentially gotten that they didn't um, that, uh, you know, it's kind of a shame when you look back at some of the wide receivers, they could have gotten paid handsomely for. But if you, you know, if you hit the right one, and obviously they've never been great at getting picking wide receivers in the draft. But if you get the right one, you've got a great player for five years or four or five years, six years, depending upon the length of the deal.
4: If you go back far enough into the early Aussie years, that 2000 team was amazingly well-built in terms of free agents. And the guys that I would point to are Michael McCrary, who was coming off a first contract, in fact, first big year, right before free agency. And so he was he was a, a, a signing of that type. Yes, the, the other is Trevor Price, I believe, was still just coming off his first contract when they got him in his sixth year. So he would have played five, first five in Denver and then was outstanding for uh, – for um uh, the Ravens, of course.
5: Yeah, he was. He was a big get on that uh, 2006 team. I mean that that it, it'd be nice to have. Could you imagine having that front seven? Yes, that's what we
4: need. And <laughs> and,
5: and, and the back end we have now. <laughs> the you you might be better than the 2000 defense, but I'm not, without Ray Lewis. But I'm not going to say that. But
4: <laughs> no, no one ever wants to say that. You know, it's, it's interesting because Football Outsiders says the 2008 defense was our best. You know, looking at that's looking. I don't agree with it, but anyway, that, that's what they say. Right. Let's move on to the next category here because we got a, we got, we've got we had a long show here. We need to do some mailbag. But uh, the transitional category has not, has nine guys in it. Sorry, not nine guys in it. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven guys in it. And uh, I don't expect any of them necessarily to be back, although some probably will be back. Otara Alaka, Chris Board, Justin Ellis, certainly a possibility. Right. Patrick Owasso, kind of a sad story in 2019. We'll see yeah. where he ends up. Jordan Richards. Smithson who is a <laughs> IR lottery ticket winner during the last preseason game and Brandon yeah.
3: Drowick.
5: Yeah, um I, well I mean um the Alaka and Board are both um uh, under contract or exclusive rights free agents so they'll be back. I mean, they'll be on the roster at least up until cuts. Mm-hmm. Um so whether they actually make the 53, um I Smithson could be uh, cuz he's an exclusive rights free agent. Uh, I don't you know I don't recall what his injury was, so whether that's something they won't, but as you said, he was really he was only signed for that last game mm-hmm. um so that kind of tells you probably not, and the other guys are pretty much disposable i mean Richards was only signed because they got rid of uh i mean they basically traded him to New England for uh Bethel, Bethel right, so um Trowick was i mean got hurt, so i mean i he's a guy they could bring back for basically nothing, I guess to to be that special teams guy that they like to have. Um, and peanut, I mean, I got to, I just got to figure that argument with, with, uh, with Harbaugh, whatever that was, um, was the official end. Um, cause he certainly didn't uh, do anything on the field to make you think you'd like to have him back. I mean, obviously he, you can get him, you can get him back for a song right now, probably. Right. Um, but you know, com- as you said, compared to what he w- could have made, um, but you know, my guess is he's going to look for someplace else too. Since um, even when he got back from injury, he wasn't—you uh, know—they didn't put him back into, you know, to significant roles. So, um, so yeah, but so yeah, I mean, those guys, as you said, they're they're mostly just guys. As as uh, or what was it, Jags? Is that what uh, Bill just called them? Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, And a couple of them could be back. I mean, you know, at least on the roster, whether they they end up on, at least on the 90 man roster, whether they end up on the 53 down the road,
4: who knows? Ellis is the guy that I think maybe comes back because I think they need the additional big body of those board. You've got the reduced option value. We haven't talked about that on this show. So you just I look at the first four-year contract as a as a declining option value deal. So if you have an unknown player, you really want to keep him on his rookie year. If you think he might have an upside, after two years, you become a little more ambivalent. And after right. three years, you're you're basically said, if you haven't shown me something already, then we're not coming, right. we're not bringing you back for four because I only get one year out of
5: you. Right. Well, that was Bam Bradley. Remember, he yeah. he, he he showed very well in his uh in his rookie year and preseason i think he got hurt was on ir Mm -hmm. the whole year and then you know i mean i remember jeff zriebeck saying that you know he could really factor into the inside linebacker competition the next year and obviously he you know either way they're just the injury was too much or he just was never the same or or it just wasn't that good uh but that as you said that was you know and then he was gone
4: (laughs) there's lots of examples unfortunately of that so uh we want to try and take some mailbag questions here about this roster. Great discussion, Brian, as always about this. I look forward to talking about the offense with you, but uh, let's take some questions on the defense first. What do you got for us, Josh?
3: All right, like always, getting your questions using the hashtag #FilmStudyMailbag over on Twitter because we're going to continue this all off season. All right, when looking at the defense, is there a player who it would be smart to extend this season and save some cap room? Um. There's really not. Well, I mean, the guy
5: to extend, obviously, it's not saving cap room, but the guy to extend is Humphrey. Um, I don't know. I mean, to save cap room, there's really because there's so many free agents, there aren't any major. I mean, the only other expensive guy is Brandon Williams, which, granted, you. I mean, you could extend him. Um, God, some, some people would lose their minds if they did that. Right. Um, they could extend him. Um, I guess he's got this year and next on his deal. Um, so I mean, they could uh, they they could do that. It, that would save some cap space. Um, I don't know if they want to obligate themselves that long because um, if he's got two years left, you got to add three to that. So you're looking at a new five year deal. I, I you know I, I don't I, I, I that would surprise me. But he's he's really the only um, Clark. Well, Clark, but you're not gonna save Caproom. Yes. Clark yes. would be yeah, I mean we yeah, I mean Humphrey and Clark are two guys certainly to, to get them locked up, you know, is which is certainly noteworthy. Um, but as far as um saving Caproom, Williams is really the only expensive guy left that's not in his first or second year of his deal, and generally you're not extending him at that point. So I mean that's Peters and and um and Thomas, you know, so you're not extending them. Um, you're not extending car, uh, Tavon Young just got his deal. So, I, I mean, you're really, uh, Williams is the only guy to save cap space. The other guys are guys you would like to keep, you want to get them locked up and you want to have them around because you want to have them around.
4: And, and there's, there's the savings in cap space. Wouldn't be a 2020 savings in cap space. It would be a savings in cap space over the length of the contract in terms of getting some divisible benefit from the security you're giving them by signing Clark early example
5: and that's yeah, not that much is it? yeah yeah absolutely I mean that's that's the um you know you're yeah and it's not it's not a huge amount but you know I mean if he goes out next year and has five interceptions and five sacks then you know what were we talking about <laughs> seven million a year then you're talking to 14 million a year so you know we've seen and we've certainly seen that happen with a lot of the edge guys um so um but yeah other than that you i mean you are in that case i guess you are saving a lot of money but um <laughs> probably over what you expect him to do um you could save a little because you're giving him the security of of a nice big signing bonus now and and you know in this year he makes you know five times what he would make um give or take you know and um you know and then you're he, he, so he's giving up a little on the back end to get more net this this year and the security of knowing that you know, he's got a long-term deal.
4: There you go. Uh,
3: all right. Looking forward long-term. Uh, I see huge contracts coming up for Stanley Humphrey, Lamar and Andrews. Would it be better now to let both Judon and Pierce walk to carry the savings over the future years?
5: Well, again, as I mentioned earlier, we're not sure if that savings will exist, uh, under a new CBA. The players certainly don't like it. Um, and I'm not sure the owners are particularly wedded to it. I mean, it sounds great. I've got, you know, hundred million in cap space, but um, if I'm not spending it, it doesn't really matter anyway. So, um, so that's something that, uh, you know, that'll, that would be interesting how they would handle that. I mean, I think, you know, we'll get to it in the offense, but, you know, Stanley is certainly a guy um, that you want to extend now because he can create a little bit of cap savings, um, getting Humphrey done. That's certainly a possibility already. Um, and Lamar we'll talk about in the next segment as well. But, um, so, I mean, I think again, if you're for Humphrey, you're getting him signed because you want him, you want him here. You want him comfortable. You want him secure, um, you know, for, for the future. Um, so I, so I don't think, you know, I mean, I think those decisions are made based on, um, where your cap is and what, what they do in free agency, I
3: think is going to be the big determining factor with things like that. All right. Um, how many new front seven players would you like them to add? And at which front seven positions <laughs> yeah. uh, and yeah. how do you think they do that? Free agents or first, drafts?
4: Yeah, Let me take a first crack at that. Yeah, thing, absolutely. A, you. Big, so all you. <laughs> I, I'm going I'm to say in the draft, they're going to need to draw, draft at least one big body just because they don't know what they have there right now. So you need a nose tackle or defensive tackle type. They're, they're going to need at least one edge, and they might get two. This might be a draft where you, where you really feel like you have to take two. I would not be surprised, given the contract situations, if they get a Sam linebacker included in that because Bowser may not be around past a year, and Judon is right now in, the, in, in flux. So they'll have to know where they are with him. Uh, I think behind them, they'll certainly draft an inside linebacker. My hope is they won't expend the first-round pick on that because I think there's too much of a gamble you make on an inside backer with the recent retirements we've had and the injury at the position. It's becoming kind of like, kind of like the running back of the defense where you take more injury risk, and I, I believe more in platooning an inside linebacker. Now, you have to save somewhere. We agree on that, Brian. You have to save somewhere Absolutely. on your
5: roster. Absolutely.
4: An inside linebacker is a great position to platoon because there's a varied skill set by down that you need and the Ravens have the pleasure of having Chuck Clark calling the defense, which means they're able to freely substitute inside linebacker. They're not wedded to a single guy wearing the green dot there, so they can they can do what they want there. So I, I, I think they'll they'll, they'll draft inside linebacker. I'd be surprised if they didn't continue their normal process of, of drafting or at least finding a corner, young corner in year one that they really want to keep around on the roster for the whole year, and and a safety as well. Excuse me.
5: Yeah, I think that I think that's exactly right. I mean, this is a, you know kind of setting up to be the flip draft where it's it's they're going to focus on defense. Um, and of course, that said, they'll probably Ozzie was the one who would always you know then draft offense. But uh, you know, on offense, I mean, you know, we, we'll talk about offense again. But you know, it's the wide receiver interior line. I mean, probably the only two areas you need to think about in the draft i mean that doesn't mean they won't draft more of you know they're they're not going to draft a tight end they're not going to draft a quarterback they're probably not a running back so you know i mean those are the places there which with nine picks that leaves you plenty of picks to go defense um so yeah and then i think they're gonna have to i mean they've always been good as we mentioned earlier uh, inside linebackers as undrafted free agents you know interior defensive linemen as undrafted free agents so I mean, I think they've got to, you know, make a priority of, uh, of you know, getting that extra guy who, you know, they feels probably a sixth or seventh round pick that goes, you know, that falls through. Um, They're going to say, you know, we need the, we, you know, we're going to pay this guy fifty grand and guaranteed money or whatever it is um, to, you know, to, to ensure they've got that extra depth there because even though even if they use seven picks on, you know, on defense that's probably not enough and obviously they're gonna have free agency there's going to be some of that too um but you know they 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 got to get younger it's kind of funny to say they got to get younger on defense The the offense is very young exactly right you know so that's 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 the key there um it's getting back to getting that young fast defense
4: well it's a, it's kind of a two-way street here because they've spent a ton of money on, on defense and almost nothing on offense I mean this is historically producing offense relative to the cap expenditure on it
5: Oh absolutely.
4: And yeah. and the, the interesting thing is they spent all this money on defense and now they have to spend more money on defense because the defense isn't good enough. Yeah. And and it is it, it, you know it's a good defense. It's just a lot of what the good pieces are actually leaving this year with Judon uh you know and, and Jimmy Smith and Pierce you know important pieces will be leaving this year or 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 might be leaving this year and they have to figure out you know how they do this and I, i'm i'm with you i think it could be six and three and i do think it possibly even could be seven and two in terms of how they spend those draft picks and some of that may be in the fact that maybe they draft six defenders but they use a pick to trade up to get one too
5: yeah then- and i this could be and this could also be a year i mean obviously it, we're far out but i could see this being a year where they trade back and you know and get those get more well i mean, they trade back they traded back a lot last year too mm-hmm. uh and the year before even um you know people always complain about we didn't get Derwin James and don't get me wrong. I mean, I, that was my guy. That was the guy I wanted. My guy too. But um, if they don't trade back, they probably don't have the ammunition to move up for Lamar. They don't get Andrews or Brown. I mean, they, they might've picked you know, the, and they, and they picked Andrews first with the pick they got in that trade, in that trade. And they got a bunch of other guys too. Uh, Bozeman came out of that trade. So, you know, uh, out of the trades um, that they made and when they when they uh, moved back that year. So, I mean, there is something to be said for that. I, I love Der- Derwin James, don't get me still do. Yeah. But, um, you know, the, the Andrews is a, is a hell of a player. And obviously, again, they might not be able to move up for Lamar in that case. So I could see a lot. I mean, they've always done it, but I, I could see where they could come out, maybe with nine picks, a lower first, but some higher seconds, you know, maybe a higher third. Um, and they've got probably going to have four fourth round picks so um i guess they're moving up into the third somewhere there too
4: yeah it will be a, it it'll be a very fun draft i love it when the ravens have a bunch of fourth round picks having all these it's almost like going into halftime with two straight possessions kind of thing in the fourth round for the ravens where they you know you know they they have probably three guys they really love and they're having a six peak stretch a six pick stretch where they have three picks coming up and it's just it's uh it's gravy
2: yep
5: absolutely absolutely
4: all right, Brian, really appreciate having you on. Uh, Josh, we need to make sure we plug Brian's stuff for him.
3: Yeah, so uh, Brian McFarlane, you can read all of his stuff over at Russell Street Report. There are more mailbag questions. If you send in your mailbag question, don't worry. We'll get to them on the offensive breakdown. Uh, Brian, what's your Twitter handle so everyone can go out there and follow you on Twitter? It's at RavenSalaryCap. So pretty straightforward. All One right. of the
4: single best follows of all. Make sure you're there. Great information coming across
3: appreciate that yeah whenever whenever money and salary cap stuff comes up for the ravens it doesn't matter what i'm listening to or reading your name comes up
5: yep well that's good to hear Uh, my little cottage
3: industry right (laughs) (laughs) just like ken has (laughs) uh and all right well ken speaking to you what do you have up on uh, film study baltimore
4: well, we have articles that support this podcast, so a lot of that's an additional flushing out of my view on the, on the situation. Uh, maybe have it, have it there, read it, maybe then listen to the podcast. Uh, you're obviously listening to the podcast now, so we have this weird time thing going on here, but, uh, but take a look at the article, too, and it, it frames it up. And also, make sure you read Brian's article on the topic, because it's framed up two different ways that are very distinct. So I'm, I'm cap relative to value. Brian is by contract status. They're both great ways to look at the same problem in terms of roster construction this offseason, and that's why we love having him on the show
3: so much. All right. Thank you. All right. Well, it sounds good, guys. Uh, stay tuned. Keep subscribing to the study.
2: Birdland Sports
3: for fans,
5: by fans. Find more great shows like this at BirdlandSports.com.
0: When you rely on the internet for everything, you need speed that can handle anything. Xfinity delivers Wi-Fi speed faster than a gig. Go online, call one eight hundred Xfinity, or visit a store today. Restrictions apply. Gig Wi-Fi requires gig speed and compatible x gateway. Actual speeds vary, not guaranteed.
3: Nobody builds five G.